think that is, is probably affects the whole lot of us, and it's influencing others. And that we are to influence others with our lives and, and how we do life. And, and especially as Christians, you know, we want to reach this world. I need to have the clicker. Is the clicker there, Dre? No, okay, we've lost the clicker. That's good. I'll tell you when to change then, Jeanette, okay? And so I want to go into this um, subject. Um, and because <laughs> why else are we here? Because we are here to influence others, and God has influenced our lives. So, first up, I want to read 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 5, to 5, and it sort of sums up where I want to go today. And so, to, to, later on, I'm going to give us a wee challenge, and I'm, I'm going to actually, like, Dre's always giving you challenges, but, and I'm always good to you. Today, I'm going to give you a challenge and, and ask you to respond because it's my turn to do it. And uh, I know if Dre was preaching today, he would do it. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5 says, says this. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. And this is, oh, sorry, I better give you a bit of backstory. This is Paul, and it's a letter to the Corinthian church. And uh, he's, he's concerned for it, and he wants to um, outline them that, hey, I care about you guys, and I want to see the best for you. He says, brothers and sisters, when I come to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in great fear, uh, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And really the messages, and again, Jeanette, the demonstration of the, the Spirit's power. Now, I've been given this a bit of thought lately. Um, as Christians, how do we demonstrate God? See, we can't actually use words. I was, I was listening to um, Billy Graham there a couple of weeks ago, and, and he, he was, you know, how Billy Graham was really hard-hitting. And he, he was going and says, man shall not be with man. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, Billy, if you said some of those things today, you would get slaughtered. And it was like so much that, you know, you know we, we talk in a church situation, we talk about things that, that shouldn't be or, or biblical principles that we want to highlight. And yet when we do it, we get told that we're judging, we're not loving, and the church is hypocrite, and you know, you know, society is we accept everybody, and everything is okay, and, and, and yet the Bible sort of contradicts what society says, and, and we, we have this wrestle with what's the truth, and how do we present the truth? And uh, the, so the, the thought that I had was that, um, that words actually fail, and words aren't enough to get the truth across. But Paul says this, and I like what he said in, in that in verse we just read, read. He said, but by the demonstration of the power, or the Spirit's power, or the power of God. By demonstration. And it's like, hey, do we want, we want to actually just cut straight to the quick. Let's show the power of God in a situation. And, and it's like, oh, but I'm not that spiritual, Lyndon. You don't have to be. And so I want to sort of go down this, I want to go down this path today where it's like, how do we actually show the power of God? 
How do we, we inf, in, uh, influence this world that we're living in in a way that people aren't going, oh, you shouldn't be saying that. But when, I, I just believe that we, we, are, we are on the verge of seeing God break out. And, and I would love to see that happen in our church, where, where instead of talking the talk, we start walking the walk, and we see the power of God break out. The Corinthian church, I, I just see in the... Um, in the uh, commentary, just as I started reading that, I saw the commentary was right there, so I just had a wee bit of a sideways glance at it. And it said in the 1960s, there was a slogan that said this, Jesus, yes, the church, no. And because uh, yeah, it's at the start of the commentary, I thought, oh. But it's, what is it saying? It's saying relationship with Jesus, yes, religion or religious church, no. And then, then you go and read about Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church was a mess. Um, and this is what it says. It says the Corinthian church was the same as the community around it. If we apply that for today, how does that look? It was known to be a compromising church. Everyone knew the church had big problems. It, there was sexual sin and drunkenness. It excused worldly living. It was a divided church and a disgraced church. Instead of glorifying God, it was hindering the progress of the gospel. Ouch. Uh, I don't want to be that sort of church. You know, we don't want that sort of church. So, so where does the influence of a church come from? Like, you know, Cornerstone is a church. Where's the influence? Oh, it's how we do Sunday. It's, it's in our worship team, the way that they do. Oh, no, where does the influence of church come from? Us. You know, when, when we go out of these doors... We're the influence that this world needs to see. And, and it's easy to sort of think, oh, I'll do my church thing on Sunday. But, but that's only part of it. It's only a small fraction of it. We do all the rest of their days out there in the community influencing. So now that you know that you're responsible for how this church is looking, how do you feel about that? Are you good about that? Does anybody want to do this last week again? And say, okay, let's change a couple of things how you respond to people, how you love people, how you react to situations, you are actually influencing the people around you. If you've got friends that want to come to church, would you bring them here? I would. Whew. Whew. That got you off the hook, didn't it? John Maxwell says this. He said that leadership is influence. And he said, nothing more, nothing less. Thanks. <laughs> You're good, Jeanette. I'll just, I'll just forget. I'll get to the end. So I'll just flick through all those slides. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And, and so how many people, we asked this question three years ago, how many people would put their hand up and say, yes, I have leadership in my life. I'm a leader. How many people do that? We're asking you right now. How many people do that? Think about this a wee bit more. How many of you have areas of leadership in your life? That's getting better. I'll just ask the question again. How many of you have got a family? You've got a workplace. You've got influence of people around your life. There we go. Now we're getting the response that we need. We are all leaders. And leadership is influence. When we influence, uh, and then he, then he goes on to say that influence is adding value to people's lives. Now that makes it easy. When we add value to people's lives, we earn the right to speak into their lives. And I love what John Maxwell says. When he, when he first um, started doing leadership books and writing and books and, and stuff on leadership, 
He was targeting the church. He was a pastor. And then his publisher came to him one day and says, John, you need to look at the facts here. It's like 90% of the people that are buying your books are from the business community. He actually ended up handing his church over and then speaking in to leadership in the business community. And then one of the things that you hear him say is that, that when you add value to people's lives, you earn the right to speak into their lives. And for a while there, he just added value, added value, added value, built the platform, and then people said, so where do you get all this wisdom from, John? He says, you don't want to know. And, and, and he just kept them hungry, and he just kept baiting them. And I loved what he said. Sometimes he says, I've got five points. And you just have point number one. And he said, okay, it's great. Thanks, guys. You can go home now. Everybody's like, what were the other four points? You know, he, he kept people on the end of the string. Till finally, he had such a good relationship with the business community that he can actually introduce his God into the business community because they respected what he said and how he led. That's pretty cool. And I thought, man, when we add value to people's lives, we are influencing. And so I'm sure there is somebody in your life this week that you can add value to their lives. Everybody, I mean, some of you guys know um, a friend of mine or ours, Dan Downs. Remember him? They, they shifted away about six or eight months ago to, to Waimati. And uh, I keep in touch with him, and I hadn't spoken to him for a while. And he rang a couple of weeks ago just for a catch-up talk. And so we talked about everything, church even, fishing, uh, work, family. And then he sent me a text the next day. Three words. I miss you. And, you know, as much as that gave me the warm fuzzies, thinking, man, like Dan and I are an odd couple. Yeah, it's like we should not actually have a relationship or a friendship. We we are chalk and cheese, man, cheek and chan. We are so different, and yet somehow we have a relationship. So then, was it last week, he dropped in. He's doing a truck run. He's truck driving at the moment, and he needed a half an hour break. He says, can I swing past your place? It's more of a swing. It's quite a detour. And he had his half hour break with Kath and I, and, and he just comes in, and he just sits there like he's totally at home and in comfort. And then as we were talking, he says, How, how's things going with church? Have you found a church? And he says, oh, we've been here and we've been there, but we haven't found a church like Cornerstone. There you go. This guy feels loved, valued. He feels a part of this family. He said that he'd love to come back and bring the family back to Rolleston. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but... That thought's there. It's probably going to happen one day. But what I got out of that is that there was a value. When, when he first came into this place, he was a broken man, and he, he came in and he just, just loved what he experienced on the very first day that he walked into the church because you wrapped him up and loved him. You know, I befriended him. I, I just thought I was being a pastor. I didn't know I was going to sort of be a friend of his, but I was just doing what I do, you know. And, and it's just amazing the influence we have on people's lives if we are aware of it. So my challenge today is, what is our influence on those around us? This week, finally, I got our Connect Group going. And uh, so we've got another Connect Group just been birthed this week. Isn't that a celebration in itself? Brand new Connect Group. It's like another baby in the church. It's taken a while, but, but this week, um, as I said last week, I think I said that I asked my neighbours to come along. They came. They came. They loved it. They shared their story. They cried with us. 
and they're coming back again next week. And I'm like, my gosh, God, you're good. I actually, I was sitting there just then, I was thinking, I've got prophetic words for them now. So last week was a little easing. <laughs> Guys, it was an easing. <laughs> this week there's going to be some prophecy, Jason. <laughs> and so it's like, man, I am so encouraged. And, and if you know the story, you know, I talked about my neighbours two and a half, three years ago, three years ago, and we didn't have a good relationship. Now they're in my connect group. I'm like, God, you are awesome. We've got a son, James, our oldest son. He's a dairy farmer, and he gets a lot of staff comes onto his farm. Most of them get saved. He has a heart for God. He's a leader. He's a pastor. Um, both him and his wife, they're very, very social people. And then they had a situation where one, one guy was, he was on, he's in prison. He was on the prison farm, doing really well on the prison farm. And so James got approached to take this guy on on the dairy farm. And so, yep, we'll take him on. He came. You know what happened? This guy got saved. And so he's, he's working on the dairy farm. He's, 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 he's going to the other connect group there. And James is speaking into his life. He's, he's having all sorts of issues because there's a lot of, you know, when, when someone gets saved, you know what happens? The first thing comes along is a girlfriend or boyfriend to stuff it all up absolutely true story you know how youth leaders come on you know it's like you youth you know you just get into a relationship with God what happens a blooming girlfriend comes along Connor that wrecks the whole deal and the devil knows that and so so here's this guy he's on the farm and he gets this other this girlfriend and then this girlfriend needs money the first week of their relationship. So he goes to James. So oh, James, can I have an advance on my pay because my, my girlfriend you know, needs some money? And James said, that is not wise, buddy. Brother, you're my brother. Listen to me. You're not getting any money. Don't give her any money. She got so hacked off, two of her friends came in at night and burnt their house down. And I think James had a brand new motorbike sitting outside, work bike, and it blew up. <laughs> And these guys, these two guys that were there, they weren't in the house that night, fortunately, lost their house. And so this poor guy is like, oh, I feel so bad about it. And now financially, he's got to replace all his stuff and they wasn't insured. So he thought, oh, what do I do? I'll just do a couple of wee quick drug deals just to make a wee bit extra cash on the side just to get out of this pickle. Well, he got caught. So what happens? He goes back into prison for another two years. And it's like, my goodness. Sometimes when we're, when we're trying to influence and we're to influence people's lives, it doesn't go according to the script that we have. So he does this two years, and then he comes out probably a year ago, and he comes back to the farm and says to James, hey, can I work for you again? God's a God of the second chance, isn't he? What did James say? Yes. He took him on again. This time, he's learned something. This time, he's at church. This time, he's at Connect Group. This time he's doing it right. And he just, the other day I heard, he's met up with another guy that was in prison with him who's become a Christian also. And now they're going out and they're speaking to guys, like, you know, ex-prisoners, gang members, and they're sharing their story about how they've gone from prison to Christ. And I thought, mate, you know, we don't know. Influencing sometimes takes a lot of effort. Sometimes we think, man, there's not a lot of return on this. But you know what, God, God's, I believe God's heart is on our hearts. When we actually care about people, we want to influence people, then God comes in and does what he wants to do in a very powerful way. One of the, one of the best influences in, probably in Jesus' time was John the Baptist. 
You know what an influencer does? You know, they come along to, to, to um, warm up the crowd, to get you thinking a certain way. Um, and, and, and like I remember one time I, I heard it that on the, the news, it says, oh, the petrol prices are going to go over $2 a litre. And it was like sitting at about $1.40 or $1.35 or something. And I says, absolute rubbish. That will not happen. $2 a litre for petrol. My gosh, I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to be stubborn and say, I'm not going to buy your petrol. I'm not going to drive anywhere, but I'm not going to buy your petrol. And you know what? Within about three or four months, the price came up, came up, and I can remember the day that, boom, hit the $2. $2.05. And I'm like, my gosh. But the thing is, this is planned. When you hear things, you know, there are people paid to influence. So John the Baptist comes along, and, and he's not paid to influence. He's, he's got a bit of a raw deal. But what an influencer. You know, he comes in, and he stands in a river, and he's a wild man wearing leathers, Got hair, a bit like you, Mike, leathers, wild man, yeah, eating locusts and, and wild honey. And, then, and, he, and he's shouting to people, hey, come, repent and be baptized. I mean, just out of pure curiosity, you're going to come and check this guy out. It's like, is this guy a nutcase? And, and yet he didn't have, there was no sort of introduction of him. You know, people think, oh, who, who is this guy? You know, he's a bit of a weirdo. But he had a sole purpose. And you know when that, when that purpose came is when he jumped inside his mother's womb, when he got close to Jesus in Mary's womb. Something of the Spirit of God was aroused in him. He knew that he had a message that he was going to say, and then he introduces Jesus onto the scene. And then, you know, and I think we all know that John's in the river and, then, and all the scribes and Pharisees come, and he slams them. And we all know that. Now, I know that. And I was just reading the Gospels here and a couple of accounts, and I realized he actually addressed four groups of people. And you know, I've read this for years, and I've never seen the four groups, the other three groups. I always just thought scribes and Pharisees got a serving. But if we look at these four groups of people here, in Matthew 3, 7 to 9, and the Passion, I like the Passion because it says, Passion translation because it says it quite bluntly, and it makes you <clears throat> take it on. It says this, but when he saw many coming from among the wealthy elite of the Jewish society and many of the religious leaders known as the Pharisees coming to witness the baptism, he began to denounce them saying, You offspring of vipers, who warn you to slither away like snakes from the fire of God's judgment. <laughs> That'll get your attention. You offspring of vipers, you snakes. You must prove your repentance by a changed life and don't presume to get away with merely saying to yourselves, but we are Abraham's descendants, for I tell you, God can awaken these stones to become sons of Abraham. Now you just come down to the river to have a check this guy out, and now you're just getting a serving. You know what he was actually dealing with here, with these guys? It was the religious spirit. And I guess when my whole message is about, you know, is about operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of God. You know, sometimes we, we rely on how we can speak and explain and, 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 and uh, you know, like we're almost like a salesman, aren't we? Hey, Jesus is this, 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 and this. You've got to do this. You've got to do it this way. And then you come a Christian. But, you know, when you do things in the power of God, it's like be healed in Jesus' name. Boom. Oh, I just got healed. Okay, I want to be a believer. What do I need to do to be a believer? It, it's something that takes away all the rhetoric, all the words that we don't really know what to say anyway. And it just cuts straight to the point. Okay, 
God can do this, I want him in my life. And so the, the religious spirit is a, it's not the people, it's not a person. It's the spirit behind. It's like the antichrist type spirit. It's like, I just want to shut this down. Then normally it, it criticizes, it controls, it complains. And you know, the, 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 the place that you're going to find it is in a church. I mean, I, probably some of you have seen it. When it manifests in the church, it is ugly. It's like, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? We shouldn't be doing this. We should do it this way. No, not that way. This way, that way. I don't think, why aren't you listening to me? And then you wonder, it's like, as leaders, man, how many leaders? Warren's nodding. There's a reason why he's nodding, because we've all confronted that. Where it's like, why do you have to make life so difficult for us? But then the person themselves is not the person. That is the problem. It's the spirit that's behind the person. I remember Kath one time when we were, I suppose, hope, hope this is okay. We, we were in a deliverance session. Um, we'd, we'd gone through our, our two years of this Bible school training online and stuff, but we had these meetings together and, and we were getting all this del- deliverance and we were up there and it's like, oh man, what am I going to get deliverance from? You know, it's like, whew. And this, this high-octane, high-powered guy was just going along, and, and there was all sorts of manifestations, people on the floor. If you're not used to this stuff, it's quite normal. Don't worry. So Calf, she's on. No, she's not. She just, the guy comes up and says, what do, you, what do you want? In a lovely sort of way, what do you want? He says, I, I think I've got a religious spirit. <laughs> and she, she got prayed for in a religious spirit. Now, she's not a bad person. She wasn't manifesting it or anything, but... Just sometimes some of our mindsets and some of our concepts are religious. And that sacred cow needs to be shot and, and, and for us to move forward into what God has for us. Luke 3, 10 to 14 says this. And these are the other three crowds or the other three people groups that, that um, John the Baptist uh, uh, talked to. And it says this. The crowd kept asking him, the crowd, that's us. The crowd kept asking him, what are we supposed to do? And John told them, give food to the hungry, clothe the poor, and bless the needy. Never seen this before, eh? And even the tax collectors came to John to be baptized. And they asked him, what are we to do to prove our hearts have changed? And he said, be honest, he replied. Don't demand more taxes than what law requires. And then some of the soldiers asked him, what about us? John answered them, Be content with what you earn. Never exhort money or terrify others by threats of violence or be guilty of accusing the innocent. The next slide there. Jeanette. This is what he said to these four people groups. Be generous, be honest, be content, repent. Or do you mind the other way? <laughs> repent, be generous, be honest, be content. And it's like, man, if we live that way, that we are generous, that we are honest, we are content, but we've got a, we're right with God. Isn't that where we should be coming from? So John starts the process. It shook the whole region, the whole religious society at the time. And I, I, when, I, when you're preparing a sermon, you put it in your notes as sort of an outline, and then I got to the point where I thought, sheesh, I've got way too many notes. I was going to talk about Jesus, but it's not really important to talk about Jesus in church, is it? Any religious spirits there? I think I've just heard one. Hey, Bryn. I'm only joking. I'm only joking, all right? But you see, that sort of thing stirs stuff up. 
And, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to stir things up sometimes because we need to see what's in our hearts. So, so Jesus comes onto the scene. And uh, without going into it all, because we're pretty familiar with what Jesus does, of course, he comes and he doesn't have persuasive words and words of wisdom. Yes, he does. But he tells stories. He leads people. He comes and meets with people. He loves people. He shows compassion. He heals over here. He, he miracles over there. And he, and he comes with a demonstration of power. And it's like you, you can't argue with healings. You can't argue with the fishes and loaves that just fed these thousands of people when it's like, where did all this come from? And you know, you know what? The, the, the thing that I got when I'm just sort of going through these notes is that the script hasn't changed. We are still that. It's like no one has come after Jesus except the Holy Spirit to fill us and be in us to help us. But no one else has come to say, okay, we're going to do it a different way to the way Jesus did it now. We're going to do it this way. And so we all need to go whoop, to this side of things and do it this way now. The script hasn't changed. Working in the Holy Spirit's power is what should be normal for us. And it just kills me because I'm not as spiritual as I want to be. You know, I pray for people. I've seen some healings in the past. I don't see healings every day like I'd like to see. You know, I see uh, as a church we get a plot of land that we said that we couldn't get a plot of land in the, in the middle of the town. Wow. I don't know about that. Is that a miracle? The price we got it for, is that a miracle? Was it a divine appointment? So God's doing stuff. And I know that, that you know, in our hearts, probably all of us are sitting here today going, oh, I, I've stopped praying for people because I don't see them get healed. And so today I want to actually encourage us to actually rise again. You know, often disappointment and, and confusion and, and uh, you know, you just think, man, I don't know, I, I put myself out there, it was embarrassing or it didn't happen. Or, and it's like we've got to actually put that behind us and start a fresh day. That we're going to actually move into what God wants by the power of his spirit. You know, my neighbours that are coming to my connect group there, I actually had a, like a dream or and I had a thought and it was like, I know this person had arthritis. I want to pray for that arthritis, but it has to be at the right timing. And then two weeks ago in my yard, oh, just my arth this arthritis is playing up. She says, can I pray with you? And she just started crying, gave me a big hug. Now they're in the connect group. They're on a journey. Why? Because I was obedient to that little thing. I'm going to talk more about how you hear the Holy Spirit soon. But it's being obedient to it and expecting that God's going to come through for us. If we have no expectation, he's not going to come through for us. Because he makes us put the demand on him. Why do we need a demonstration of the power of God today? I've gone back to the Passion Translation for 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 5. But you need to be aware in the final days, the culture of society will be extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves, obsessed with money. They will boast great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will ignore their own families. We've seen that. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted 
to hateful and malicious, malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent, haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and uh, wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of a loving God. They may pretend to have respect for God, but in reality, they don't want anything to do with God's power. And he says, stay away from these people. The, the New King James Version says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And I, I, I just looked at that bit and I thought, who has a form of godliness? It's us. Doesn't it? Like, we're sitting here today and we, we, we think that we're quite godly. Oh, some of us do. On a good day, we think we're there. We just get over the line. But, we, but I don't want a form of godliness. Who wants a form of godliness? There's no hands going up. That's a good sign. We don't want a form of godliness. Because if you have a form of godliness, you deny the power of God. And uh, we need to embrace the power of God. So how do we experience God in our lives? You know, and this is a question, and we've got our CLDP um, groups, our Cornerstone Leadership Development Group, and uh, that's the question that we ask is, you know, how do we experience God in our lives? And it's just good seeing, you know, I just love it. Last year we had a group, this year we've got a group, and it's just great seeing people just coming alive. You see, you see something happening in them which is really exciting. And as, as leaders, you know, we just love to see the journey that people are going on and are in the middle of and continuing to go on from. It's just really exciting. But I was listening to a, um, a podcast of Mike Connell's the other day, um, and, he, and it just, funny thing is, I find is that often, you know, hearing the voice of God is actually hearing the thing that you need to hear for the next day that we need to say it. And so often I hear something and I'll hear some, uh, a word or a message or I'll get something and I think, man, that's good. And, and then I'll see you guys and what I'll talk about the next day is I'll talk about that. And then you'll say, oh man, I just needed that. And it's like, well, I didn't know that you needed that. I only heard it yesterday myself. And, and sometimes we like to think we've got to have it all together. So when someone comes with a question or a need or a, a want or something, that we're like, okay, let's sit down, sit down. I'm going to explain this to you. And, and we have no idea what to say. It's like, I, I... But if God has already given me something and you come to me and say, hey, look, I, I just need to talk about this. Oh, look, I've just read, I was listening to this podcast yesterday, actually. And it said this, you know, go home and listen to that podcast. It's like, man, this is God's provision, man. God is speaking through us, and I believe he can speak through all of us very simply. But Mike Connell, had, he, had, he had five things that he said help us to um, attract the presence of God around our life so that we can actually move out in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just going to, you know, why invent the real wheel when he's already done it? So I thought I'll just steal his thing because I was listening to it the day before anyway. So if we go to the first one, Jeanette. First one's honour. And, and it's like the Holy Spirit needs to be honoured. We need to honour the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's like you know, having a church, you know, one, of our, you know, one of our core values could have been honour. You know, we, we did toss that one up and it would probably be the next one that would have been on those columns that we've done. But honour, you know, it's like I want to be in a place where I feel honoured. You want to be here if you feel honoured and valued as a person. The Holy Spirit's no different. If we don't honour the Holy Spirit, then he's not going to want to be around us. We need to honour the fact that he's part of our lives and he's speaking to us and we are hearing him. It's an attractive culture, a culture of honour. Second one. 
faith. To actually believe God is speaking to you, guiding you and leading you. You know, how many people can actually say, I believe on a regular basis that God is speaking to me, leading me and guiding me? It's good. And it's to keep embracing that thought. If you don't embrace that thought, let's start embracing that thought. That God is leading me and guiding me. He is speaking to me. And that's the faith journey we're on. Otherwise, why would we be here today if you didn't believe that God was actually leading you, speaking to you and guiding you? A couple of scriptures to go with that is John 14, 12 says in the Passions Translation again. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith. There we go. The person who follows me in faith. Believing in me will do the same mighty miracles that I do and even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. Man. Jesus said this. This is red words in the Bible. Jesus said, you will do what I did and greater. So therefore, when it's moving in this power of the Spirit, our expectation is that we're going to see this happen because Jesus told us it was going to happen. And then John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. When the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. He will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. Man, I need a God that tells me what's coming. And as I just said, I, I believe he does. He alerts us to what's happening. If we have an ear to hear. John um, Connell says, uh, Mike Connell, sorry, says this. He said, he is a, he's an experienced campaigner, prophetic, deliverance man, incredible. He's an he's amazing pastor, preacher, speaker. But he said that he carries a notebook on him all the time to write down what he's hearing. And how many, how many have got a phone in your pocket right now? That's not many people, actually. How many people have got a phone in their pocket right now? A few more than I, not as many as I thought actually. How many people are so godly that you leave their phone at home when you come to church? Oh, I see those hands. I see that Bevan. I see that hand, Matt. How come it's all the older ones? If we don't have a phone on us, we've got to have a diary on us. But often God speaks a word. I could show you my phone because I've got. Uh, I'm not as godly as some of you. I've got a phone on me right now. I could show you my note app. How many have got a note app on your phone? All right. And how many times do you use that a week? My, my phone is full of notes. doesn't matter if it's work notes, um, uh, phone numbers, passwords. No, don't kill me and get my phone because it's got passwords on it. And, and, and the, the words I get. Sometimes, you know, when I'm in the tractor, I'm working away. I'm not even really, you know, I've got my music going and stuff, but then I'll just get a word or a scripture or something. So I'll just grab my phone, chuck it, grab the app, put it on, and then... When I'm, because you know what's going to happen? Often I have these thoughts. I think, man, it's a good thought. Man, that, there's a sermon in that. Whew, there's a word for somebody. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give that person the word on Sunday. Then I, the next day, no, 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 at morning tea time, I cannot remember what I thought I was thinking of. I cannot remember it. And, I can't, and often I don't get it back. And so I've learnt to be very quick to jot things down. And so, you know, like Dre was going to be on holiday this week, family holiday, which he was. And he was going to preach today. And I said, mate, you're not preaching. You're going on holiday. You need to be focused on wifey and family. And so I said, I'll do it. And then I thought, oh, man, I haven't got anything to talk about. Remember last time I said, I'm not getting anything at the moment. You remember my last word? If you want to listen to it, you can't. Yes, you can. 
I got shut down by Facebook because of copyright, because we played the song. So I know a bunch of you, you said, oh, I can't hear it. And I says, well, you can. You can hear, hear the audio. But I got shut down. I see, the devil wants to shut down a message, eh? And I told you that in that service, I said, I just had nothing to share. And I just shared my journey and I cried. And you cried with me. That was fun. See, you haven't cried today, Conrad. You don't need the tissues today. He said, man, where's the tissue box? I said, brother, I guarantee you don't need the tissue box today. So, I don't even know how I got there. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. I'm back on track again. We have each other's back, man. It's good. Thanks for being here today. And so God gives us what we need often before we need it. So we are more prepared than we realize. And uh, you know what I want to see is I want to see you know, us function in our connect groups with words of prophecy in that safe place. I, I, I want to see people um, being generous and, and uh I just want to see us reaching our community and influencing in a powerful way. So all, everything I'm saying is, is heading to that direction. The third thing is surrender, <laughs> which is a pretty good one. Letting go of my control. And often it's like, I want to do what I want to do. I don't really want to do what I feel that God wants me to do right now. It's my will, my way, my timing. It doesn't suit me right now, God, for you to be speaking to me. Actually, it does. It needs to suit you. My thoughts, my time, my words, my prayer time, my worship. How many people have decided, I'm just going to have a worship time with God, but I'm going to put it on fast forward? You get some songs that, you know, I put on a, a, a YouTube song thing, and it's like, it's great. But it goes to 13 minutes. And I'm like, man, let's just, just cut to it here and enter in quickly, you know, but... But it takes time and it takes surrender. It's actually, I am just going to give you time. And when we give time, we surrender our agenda and give God time. Then he starts speaking to us. And I know that, you know, if, if there's words of encouragement on you right now that you could probably turn and say to somebody. And, but you actually need to just spend time with God saying, hey, God, am I hearing you right? I, I know, no, carry on. <laughs> Fourth thing. Sensitivity. It's an awareness that God is actually speaking to us all the time, that he's wanting to communicate with us, he's wanting to show us stuff. And it's, it's constant. I know um, I've learned now, often I, I'll, I'll be thinking of somebody. I was, I was at a, a family event just recently and my mother said at lunchtime, says, oh, how's this person doing? And I says, yeah, probably not get good, um, but I, I really feel to reach out to them, but I just haven't got enough relationship to reach out to them. And so I, I felt a bit awkward, like, oh, you're in trouble. Can I talk to you now? I, I sort of thought, I wished I'd had more relationships so I could reach out. And this is like lunchtime. This is probably one o'clock at the um, bike park on, on the hills there, Kashmir. No kidding. No kidding. No lie. 4.30 in the afternoon. A message comes in. Hey, Lyndon, how are you doing? Can I catch up? I'm like, you are freaking me out, God. Did you hear me talk about that around my phone? Did somehow did that go through to his phone to say, hey, Lyndon's talking about you? Better check it out. And so we, I met up with him that week. 
And he came and lived with us for a couple of months as he was sorting out, it looked like ending his marriage. But guess what? They're back together. It looked hopeless, but they're back together. And guess what? Where are they going for support? Us. Not just us, but Kath's family have known this. And all of a sudden, it's like instead of being hiding away and struggling with marriage, they've now come to the support. We don't know who we're influencing. And I've had that happen before. I had another friend, I just, he was down at Christmas time with me. And, and I honestly, 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 in the morning, I think I said to Kath, I haven't heard from Mike for, for ages. And then that afternoon, hey, buddy, just give him a call to see how you're doing. I think, what? Mate, I just said to him, mate, how you doing? I said, I was just thinking of you. He says, oh, can I come down for Christmas and stay with you? He says, yeah, man. And it's like, God speaks to us. When we think of people we shouldn't be thinking of, you know, sometimes you just think, why am I thinking of that person? Maybe God's wanting you to say something to that person. Fifth thing is hunger. Hunger attracts the presence of God. Um, if we don't want it, you know, when, when you get hungry for food, like fasting is one of my worst problems, man. Trying to fast is just like a nightmare. It's like, God, this is supposed to be so good. Why is it so flaming hard? And yet, prayer, fasting, worship attracts the presence of God. When we're hungry, when we're hungry physically, it's like, just give me, give me anything. It's going to taste good. And so when we're hungry for God, he can give us anything and it's going to be good. It's intentional. It's like, God, I'm going to be hungry for you. I want to go into my quiet place and I'm just going to say, God, speak to me because I want to influence people around my life. How many people want to influence others? That's great. So good to see. Can the band just come up now? We're going to have a time of worship. You know, as I said, I was going to do what Dre does to you and make you uncomfortable. Nah, it's not really. It doesn't need to be uncomfortable. The problem is we look at ourselves and we don't look at God sometimes. But we're going to sing the song Gyra again. We're not just going to sing it. You're not just going to be the audience. You're not just going to, you know, hey, the band's doing a great job and yeah, we'll stand here and cheer you on. You're going to participate this morning and worship hungry for God